Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the 7 a.m. Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Amy G., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Today's date is Wednesday, August 25th, 2021, and today we are reading in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are on page 80, the fifth paragraph, that last paragraph down at the bottom of the page, starting with the chances are we have domestic trouble, finishing out that paragraph on page 81. Today's readers are, and thank you, Team Wednesday, for your service, Nancy C., Crystal P., Susan S.H., Kelly D., Tenzin P., our newcomer greeter, Yvette, and our host, Esther C., for the second unrecorded hour. Um, The I share IDs for yesterday, Tuesday, August 24th, 7 a.m., 17,618. That's 17618. And for the 10 a.m. yesterday, 17,619. 17619. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Kelly D. to read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Kelly. Good morning, everybody. This is Kelly D. from Indiana. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I'll read your 12 steps this morning. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Step five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Step seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Step nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Step 10, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, 
We tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to do service. Have a great day. Great, Kelly. Thank you so much. I will now ask for Tenzin P. to read the 12 traditions. Go ahead, Tenzin. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Tenzin P. checking in from New York. And the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop compulsively eating. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you very much. Uh, wishing everyone a blessed day. Thank you so much, Tenton. All righty. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the direction for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over, you'll hear me say time, or you'll hear my beeper in the background. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. Again, this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute your phone. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star 1 to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We are on page 80, the fifth paragraph, and I'm going to ask Nancy C. to get us started. Go ahead, Nancy. <clears throat> Good morning, everyone. Nancy C., gratefully recovered compulsive overeater checking in from Six Lakes, Michigan this morning. The chances are that we have domestic troubles. Perhaps we are mixed up with women in a fashion we wouldn't want, we wouldn't care to be advertised. 
We doubt if, in this respect, alcoholics are fundamentally much worse than other people, but drinking does complicate sex relations in the home. After a few years with an alcoholic, a wife gets worn out, resentful, or uncommunicative. How could we be, how could she be anything else? The husband begins to feel lonely, sorry for himself. He commences to look around in nightclubs or their equivalent for something besides liquor. Perhaps he is having a secret and exciting affair with the girl who understands. In fairness, we must say that she may understand, but what are we going to do about a thing like that? A man so involved often feels very remorseful at times, especially if he is married to a loyal and courageous girl who has literally gone through hell for him. Wow, um, I cannot relate to having an extramarital affair, but I can sure relate to um, living with someone and putting them through uh, hell. I, you know, we've just gone through talking about, or we're, in, we're talking about amends, and we, we have agreed that we're willing to go to any lengths to find a spiritual experience, and we ask to be given the strength and direction to do the right thing um, on matters, no matter what the consequence is, and um, that we must not shrink at anything when making these amends. And I think for me um, and for a lot of people, our partners, our wives, our husbands are the hardest to make amends to because all my life I said, I, I'm sorry. I mean, I would get out of bed saying, I'm sorry. I don't know what I'd be sorry for, but I'd be sorry for just being. Um, and when I was in the food, um, I was uh, living whirlwind to live with. I mean, you didn't know if you were getting Nancy, Norman, Beyonce, Jekyll or Hyde. I mean, I was just all over the place. I, My poor wife didn't know if I would come home loving or if I would come home wanting a divorce, um, if I would start packing up things or I'd be saying, let's go on a vacation. I just was absolutely insane because of my disease. Um, an extramarital affair wasn't mine, but God, I spent all my time traveling um, to stay out of the house. I would take any international trip anyone would give me because it let me show how powerful I was, stroke my ego, let me live on an expense account, and then come home and expect, you know, the house to be wonderful. And no wonder um, she was shell-shocked. I mean, really, talk about a loyal and courageous girl she was worn out, but she loved me through it all. And so what do I have to do? This book tells me I have to make amends, which one easy to make, and then live those amends every single day. You know, I'll never be able to make good on all of the help that I put my wife through for the years that I was um, in the food. But I know that each day um, I'm given an opportunity, God gives me an opportunity to wake up and work this program and surround myself with people like you who know the right things to do um, and to ask for his will for me. And each day I have to love and cherish my partner and act differently. I have to show love and tolerance and patience. Um, and if I do that, if I do pray for the willingness in the morning and ask for direction 
um, throughout the day, when I put my head on my pillow at night with her, I know that um, I've done my best and that, um, thanks, Amy, um, that I am continuing and living my amends and doing the best I can to make up for those hellish years that I put her through. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Nancy, for getting us started. Okay, um, we'll take names. And just a friendly reminder, although we value your experience, strength, and hope, if you shared on either Monday or Tuesday, we ask that you step back so that others could share their experience, strength, and hope. So who would like to share, please? Katie G. in Boston. Janet B. Loretta H. Loretta H. Hmm. Anyone else? All right, let's get things rolling. Katie G, Janet B, Loretta H. Katie, you're up. Hi, Amy. Good morning. This is Katie G, Recovered Compulsive Eater in Boston. You know, I... um. <clears throat> Alcoholism, food addiction, complicates sex relations in my house. It's not just eating. Um, it's my disease. It's my selfishness, my self-centeredness, my dishonesty, and my fear. I've been a member of Overeaters Anonymous um, for many years, and the reason I <clears throat> was driven to study the big book is because of the shame that I felt um, for being somebody who treated sex as if it were food. So I shoved people in and I threw up all over them. Um, and I would love to say that it was just when I was in the food, but it wasn't because my problem starts when I put the food down. I did inventory and couldn't track the number of spouses, partners I'd had um, because I just couldn't cognitively remember um, because I was so empty, right? And um, in terms of amend work, it really wasn't about me going to the separated man and his children and saying so that I feel better, like, hey, I shouldn't have been involved with you, right? Because then I'm going to implicate inappropriate people. Um, <clears throat> I've also done a lot of work on who I am as a woman in recovery and um, what my ideals are and what that means right down to like who it is I take phone calls with. Am I getting flirtatious on the phone? Am I sticking my chest out when I go places trying to get a little bit of extra attention or to um, have, you know, to get a discount on something? I mean, God gave us sex relations and good job, God, but am I using them appropriately? And I love that the book is going to go through all of this, these amazing details about domestic troubles. And at the end of the day, um, for me, there have been no like hard rules, except I must be hard on myself. And I think it's loving towards others. Um, so I actually did have a couple amends that I went to people, and it was inappropriate. I went to somebody who I had um, had I'd stolen their girlfriend from them, 
and it was a very awkward conversation. So I really encourage, I cannot say it enough, first of all, if you're on step one, don't even think about this, just absorb it. <laughs> and when you get to this step, consult with others is so important, with others and with God, and asking God, who would you have me be? And today, as a woman in recovery, like, who am I as a wife? How do I interact with my husband's male friends? How do I keep things appropriate? Um, because that's who God wants me to be. He doesn't want me to be misusing my sex powers um, and I'm not the arbiter of anybody's sex conduct, but for today, you know, I can live as a woman of honor, dignity, and grace because of these steps and how it teaches me to live. And with that, I pass. Perfect timing. All right, Katie, thank you so much. Janet B., you are next, followed by Loretta H. Go ahead. Hi, good morning. Good morning. This is Janet B., recovered from compulsive eating and bulimia in New Jersey. Um, I actually was drawn to the line, a man so involved off often feels very remorseful at times. And I just start thinking in general about all the times in my life um, before I recovered where I felt remorseful. Um, and I just looked up the meaning of that word, like a deep sense of guilt. Um, and that was me. I was remorseful with how I treated men and how I used men. I mean, I was so vile when I was in this illness. I remember in college, men would be, um, lumped into one of two categories, a GC or an MT, a good catch or a meal ticket. And I would go around bragging about it, um, about these guys I was um, involved with and just like notches on my belt. And it was gross. And then the remorse, realizing the bad things I I had done with men and with um, just other areas of my life, crazy lies, faking muggings to get attention from men to, and to get out of things at school and the remorse. And remorse never did me one bit of good. And I would think if only I could feel badly enough about my behavior and about my food, if I could feel badly enough about what I was doing, then I would change. If my remorse got deep enough, then maybe I'd feel so bad I could stop. And then I think back to the line in the doctor's opinion on Roman numeral 30 about people like us. They are over-remorseful and make many resolutions but never a decision. And that was me. I would wallow in guilt as if I felt, if I felt guilty enough, God would have mercy on me. And I would make resolutions. And the resolutions would generally be things like I won't do fill in the blank again. I won't be nasty to people again. I won't binge again, but never a decision. And a decision is only as good as whatever I decide, right? If I decide I'm only going to eat lettuce for a month, that won't do anything. But the decision that they're talking about, the decision that changed my life is the decision that I will give my entire will and life to God. I will do whatever God wants and trust that he will take away my obsession, take away my need to be adored by everyone around me, take away my guilt and my shame. And I did, and he did. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Janet. Okay, we've got Loretta H. Please go ahead. Good morning, Amy. And everybody who saved my life, 
Uh, this is Loretta H., compulsive overeater, grapes with God's absence for today, recovered for today. Um, I love the shares beforehand and the lead share and about sex relations. Um, I did a uh, 50-year inventory on my marriage, and um, I realized, you know, some I call it cheap intimacy, how many times I put my husband through things that were really, really um, untrusting and um, just very, very um, secret, not secretive. I never really had an affair or anything, but things that where he couldn't trust me. And uh, last year, in 1985, I went out at 3 o'clock in the morning and ran and was raped. I did not make the amends um, because that was not something. I did it because of the food, but I had to make amends for my trust that he couldn't trust me. And after that, I think he was very afraid whenever I said I was going to go run because I, I thought I was a marathon runner. In fact, that's what I told the police why I was out at three o'clock in the morning. And it wasn't because of that. It was because I had eaten three containers of something. And so the lies that I perpetuated in my disease and in my marriage, you know, the so this is what I had to make amends for. And somebody talked about the word sorry the other day. And as the shares have said, I can say I'm sorry, 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 sorry. And that has a Y at the end of it. And today, I do not have to put a why on anything. Number one, I know I'm a compulsive overeater. And number two, my life is unmanageable. And I don't have to know why. I just have to claim, not shame, not blame, not complain, but claim my side of the street with just the facts, ma'am, as my sponsor says from Dragnet, just the facts. And today, I don't have the opportunity to have cheap intimacy because that is how I get back into the disease. So with that, I pass. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for saving my life. And God bless you today. It's a new day, and it's one day at a time. Thank you. All righty. Thank you, Loretta H., Yes, one day at a time. So we are going to take some more names. Who would like to share on what was read? Page 80, the last paragraph. Who would like to share? Don't be shy. We'd love to hear from you. Hi, this is Beverly in Pennsylvania. I'd like to share. Beverly, initial, your last name, first initial? B. B. Okay, Beverly B. Vasa O. Vasa O. Heard somebody else. Who is that? Tom A. Tom A. Awesome. Anybody else? 
Okay, we're going in groups of three today. Beverly B, Vasa O, Tom A. Okay, Beverly, you have the floor. Please go ahead. Thank you so much. And what is really speaking to me today, I thank God for the grace. Uh, You know, I am a compulsive overeater, and how I identify so much with this. Drinking does complicate sex relations in the home. And then the alcoholic uh, with uh, with an alcoholic, a wife gets worn out, you know, talks about it in the big book that, you know, that, that alcoholics had good wives, you know, and th- so on and so forth. But I really identify how could she be anything else. It wasn't about her. It was about his side of the street. Like, it's always keeping my side of the street clean, I learned in program. And the husband begins to feel lonely, sorry for himself. Poor me, poor me, you know, pour me another drink. So he's looking on the outside. He commences to look around the nightclubs on the the out, outside, you know. And how many times have I looked on the outside until I came into recovery? Thank you, God, with the help of others. It's an inside job. The food is just a symptom for me. What is going on? That's why it's so, so important for me to uh, be in touch with my feelings, that word feelings, because this is an emotional disease also, physical, emotional, and spiritual malady. You know, what's the spiritual solution? The girl understands. I was part of once at one time the girl who wondered, oh poor you, you know. I'd be sitting in there, eating and drinking and um, you know, looking in the eyes and things like that. And I can laugh about it. it wasn't It wasn't funny back then. Of course, I made amends, and most of the time it wasn't a married person. So thank you God for that. Um, but um, you know, he feels remorseful. How many times? If I hadn't gone through the steps, I felt remorse. I felt just so guilty and shameful and everything until I stopped by the grace of God and worked on the food. So, you know, there's a solution. So, um, yeah, thank you for letting me share that because this really spoke to me, you know, um, and being loyal and courageous girl who literally gone through hell for him. You know, how many people have gone through hell for me, and especially my family, and thank God that I'm in right relationship with them today. So I'll mute and pass. Thank you, Beverly. Vasa O, followed by Tom A. Go ahead, Vasa, you have the floor. Can I be heard, please? Yes, I can hear you well. Thank you very much. I'm outside. I was just listening to the meeting, the people share, and I was just inspired just to share, and thank you, thank you, all of you. I can identify so much. So, yes, I remember even before I came to recovery as a young teenager, I was a flirt, you know, and uh, I didn't have a lot of boyfriends because I wasn't allowed to date and come from the old country, the old school, you know, but I remember sneaking out a few times, not overnight, believe me. If I snuck out for 15 or 20 minutes, to, to talk somebody in the corner that I liked, you know, it would have been a big thing. But anyways, um, so yes, I always was looking for that love, you know, the love 
for food, you know, I, once I got married to my husband, every night when he came home, I told him how much I love food. You know, I love this. It's so delicious. And he's just the other way around. He would just look at me. He doesn't have a problem with food. I was the one, you know, I mean, I lived to eat. To eat, then he ate to whatever, you know, the vice versa. But anyways, um, so, yes, when I took the inventory of my sex conduct, you know, it's just, uh, I didn't like. I didn't like some of the stuff, you know. And when I came to recover, lost the weight, and, you know, here yeah, I'm getting all this attention, you know. Everybody said, look, I look like a Bobby, you know. And I loved it, even being abstinent, you know. I still was still sick, you know. And um, and I told, I complained to my husband over the years, well, you don't love me or, you know, poor me, you know. And then, you know, once I lost the wife, well, I've been struggling, struggling with the relationship. After maybe in, in, in my recovery, I decided to leave for seven months. I mean, why I put that man, I put him through hell. And I had to make big amounts to him, you know. And it's, he's just an amazing person. And he just took it. Of course, I never admitted that I went. I was looking for this or that. I just made amends that I was not a happy person and I wanted him to make me happy. And it was just so wrong what I did. But my, you know, I came just to lose the weight. I was not going to work this through. I didn't think I needed to. I came for the vanity. I stayed for the sanity. Thank you. Rasa, we're starting to lose you. When I was going to leave my husband. Rasa, Rasa, we are losing you. You're really choppy. I was just going to say, I'm still married married to the same man, and I'm more in love with him than ever. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Okay, thank you, Rasa. Okay, Tom A., it's your turn. Please go ahead. Thanks, Amy. Uh, Tom A., uh, recovered uh, compulsive eater in Greenbelt, Maryland. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I'm, I, one of the things I love about the vision meetings is that uh, we really get to learn in depth uh, about what Bill Wilson had in mind as he wrote this book and the fact that he had the courage to put these chapters in here and talk about sex relations and uh, how relations between husbands and wives uh it, it's just amazing if particularly if given his own uh challenges in this area and the, you know a lot of uh points of view or perspectives about his relation with a woman named Helen Wynn and other relationships uh, you know he just didn't the humility of just saying we're ordinary humans and and I think the thing about the sexual relations and eating for me is that they all go back to my fear of being out of control. Uh, I remember very distinctly in my, my uh, when I was in college, thinking to myself, if I could just get uh, my drinking and my eating and my uh, thinking about sex uh, under control, then my life would be good. That they were really my main obstacles to uh, living a happy life. And, you know, I'd, I'd gone to the Catholic seminary in the ninth grade and was there for eight years trying to basically, partially to avoid uh, 
sexuality because uh, I grew up in a church that said it was bad. And so I figured the best thing to do was just not to ignore it. And that didn't work so well. I became compulsive about it uh, as I became compulsive about food. And so all these things get intertwined. And it, as, as he says, it makes human relations uh, nearly impossible. And so my first marriage uh, started out with, uh, you know, it was built on eating and drinking and sex. And when those, when we had children and there, there was the job of being uh, adults, it became much harder to have a, a, a human relationship and uh, that marriage ended. And, you know, in looking back at my behavior and, and uh, you know, I, I uh, ran a small nonprofit and had a, an administrative assistant and we would go to community events and drink and and just carry on like we were a couple. And uh, I didn't think anything of it, but in hindsight, it was inappropriate. And, and uh, I'm sure it was uh, my wife wondered about it. Uh, so it's just this, the only way to not fear being out of control, whether it's about sex or food or alcohol or anything, yep, is to surrender to a higher power. And uh, that's what lets me let go of the remorse. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you so much, Tom. Okay, everyone, we'll take some more names. Who would like to share what was read? Page 80, uh, fifth paragraph. I'm unpacking that one paragraph only. Who would like to share? Please give me your name and the first initial of your last name. Crystal P. Crystal P. Anna S. Anna S. Anyone else? Michelle O. Michelle. Anita J. Anita J. Anyone else? Going once, going twice. Okie dokie. We've got our group here, Crystal P, Anna F, Michelle O, and Anita J. Go ahead, Crystal. Your turn. Hi, good morning. This is Crystal P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Toronto, Canada. When I read this line about, you know, um, a wife gets worn out, resentful, uncommunicative, how could she be anything else? Um, I mean, I can't, I can't relate to doing that uh, with a spouse, but I know I do that with everybody else in my family, just what it's like to be around me. And it reminded me of um, the, 12 and, the AA 12 and 12 in Step 8, where it talks about, you know, how we are miserly, irresponsible, callous, or cold, we're critical and impatient and humorless, that uh, we wallow in depression, self-pity oozing from every pore, and we inflict this upon others. And so because of this, living with us uh, as practicing alcoholics becomes difficult and often unbearable. And um, and I realized, you know, recently I've, I've, I've come to find that um, be, because I have no tolerance for life, like I have no tolerance to, ma- to bear my own discomfort, um, I can't distinguish between disappointment and devastation. I react to disappointing things like they are devastating, and I use them as an excuse to just wallow in self-pity and depression, and I'm not happy until I've stuck other people in there as well, and I, and I don't realize, you know, 
what it's like to be around someone that's always, you know, depressed and, and wallowing in self-pity and can't see any humor or perspective in a situation at all. And over the last little bit, I've had the privilege of, you know, being around recovered fellows who have gone through things that are actually devastating and handle, and I've watched them handle it with grace and balance and trust, you know, and, and, and that's what showed me more clearly how, um, how this defect comes up in me and, and sort of it made it started to make it objectionable to me because I get a lot out of, out of being like this, which is why I've been like this all my life. And now my prayer is, you know, God, please increase my tolerance to bear my own discomfort so that even in the midst of disappointment, first of all, I can tell the difference between disappointment and devastation, and that even in the midst of disappointment or devastation, I can react to it with grace and balance and not spew self-pity onto everyone. You know, not withhold, you know, my humor and my joy that you've given to me to to sort of make other people's lives better and instead sort of have them be around the crystal that's just, you know, just always depressed and sad and everything is so serious and heavy. You know, um, I want to be, I, I, in, even in the midst of disappointment, show me how I can, I can have balance and, um, and grace. Thanks for letting me share our thoughts. Thank you so much, Crystal. Okay, Anna F. followed by Michelle L. Go ahead, Anna. Good morning. Uh, my name is Anna S. from New York. Very grateful and happy to be on, on the meeting with everybody. And uh, just a, a quick pitch for anyone who is hesitant about sharing, um, please just do it. Please just share. If, if, um, if you want recovery, you have to talk. And Well, I believe you have, I have to talk and uh, stop isolating. And being part of this meeting um, by sharing um, makes my my recovery stronger. Um, Unfortunately, I don't have very much in common with this paragraph, but I will talk about how um, relying on my higher powers guidance is currently working in my life. And for some reason, I thought about the saying, you know, that God doesn't steer the boat, I have to steer the boat, but he does give me the directions. And I've been listening for God's will in the past few days, especially um, I'm, my, the compulsion to overeat has lessened. It's not completely gone. I'm not completely abstinent. I'm not entirely abstinent, but I've made a hell of a lot of progress. And this morning during my meditation and prayer, I truly did ask for God to um, remove my character defects so, so I can be useful to him and to my fellows. And um, and that's about all I have to share. I wish everyone a pleasant, happy day, and I pass. Thank you so much, Anna. Okay, Michelle O, followed by Anita J. Go ahead, Michelle. Hi, this is Michelle O. Um, sorry, I wasn't quite ready for my cue. Michelle O, computer no and the mic. Can you hear me? I can. Oh, okay. Compulsive <laughs> um, overeater and bulimic in Michigan. And um, yeah, I did want to share in this paragraph. I've shared before on this line that um, I'm getting married soon. And uh, maybe I haven't on this line. I'm getting married soon. I have been married before 15 years ago. I was a young, young woman. 
ovarian disease. Um, and um, the person I'm marrying now, Facebook just told me that we've been Facebook friends for seven years. I've known her a long time. And it's sort of funny um, to some, oh, wow, it took you guys a while to get here. But part of the reason why is that um, I was untrustworthy. I would break up with him. I would pursue other relationships. And um, I am so deeply grateful to have been given second, third, fourth chances with this person. And um, I'm really humbled and I, I really want this go to work and to last, to be a person who's trustworthy and and capable of um, maintaining that trust. In my marriage before, we changed the rules. We had an open relationship. I was that person who um, sought affection and attention and sexual validation from others. I believed the lie that it would satisfy me just like I believed the food would, and of course it did not. And um, I'm actually less remorseful for how I behaved in that marriage because it was agreed upon mutually than I am for the way I've treated my um, soon-to-be spouse. And um, I just want to share these are lies. I, I just said it, but I want to say it again to myself. They're, they don't satisfy me because they're not my ideals. They don't um, make me trustworthy. They make me afraid to go out in the world. Um, and uh, I've just been really brought to greater awareness of all the subtle actions I heard it shared already, you know, the ways in which I, I set my posture around certain people who I deem attractive or, um, you know, just try to garner this, this small um, effect of uh, pride or ego. Uh, for me, it can be worse when I feel like I look beautiful. So I have to be careful of the days I wear a skirt or when I am healthy and abstinent and I'm not wearing my disease as baldly on my, my skin and my face. So I just uh, want to share um, that I really learned so much about relationships from the people I hear on this line. I'm so grateful to have a chance to try to um, live up to the ideals that I hear demonstrated here. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Michelle. Uh, Nita J, you're up. Thank you. Thank you, Amy, uh, for your service. Um, my name is Anita J, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Massachusetts. You know, the sex, the whole sex thing was so um, mixed up. And when I uncovered, you know, that there was a pedophile janitor in our apartment building. I just, I was always the type, and it's not in the big book, that if I understood it all, I'd be all right. Well, guess what? That's, 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 that's interesting, but it doesn't do anything. And because um, I started to, what I needed to see was that in every area, um, I was mixed up about sex, flirtation. I was a flirt. You know, it doesn't matter how old you are, but through this program, that has gone. When I finally saw how uncomfortable I made a man feel, once I saw it, 
my rationalization is I'm not hurting anybody, but I was, including myself. And I remember asking my husband, do you think I'm a flirt? And he paused for the longest time and said, no, I think you're just very friendly. Oh, my God. But here's the thing is that then I found out about him, but I had had my little crossover in the second year of being in Overeaters Anonymous. Um, I had never trusted a man to have any kind of sex with. It had nothing to do with something I learned in church. It had to do with I didn't trust a man as far as you could throw him. And so when I got in the program, I, I took a chance. And of course, I learned quite a bit, but um, there are other ways to learn it. All I know is the sex and the food were all intertwined. And I think I've heard that it comes from the same part of the brain. Well, see, all those facts are very interesting, but they do nothing for your recovery. You've got to do these steps to uncover, and you have to be willing. And you know, I'm finally healed. It's taken decades. But of course, I wasn't doing it the entire time. I wasn't looking all that time. But now that I have, I am just grateful. Maybe um, if, we, if it turns out you have to come back in this world to get it right, Maybe some things have been already made right. So thank you, and I pass. Thank you so much, Anita. Okay, we have time for a few more shares. We are on page 80, the fifth paragraph. Who would like to share? Holly S. from Texas. This is Anne Marie M. Holly S. Anne Marie M. Kathy S. Kathy S. Jeanette M. Jeanette. I think we'll hold it that M. Yeah, okay. Holly. Yes, we're going to hold with that. Holly S. Anne Marie M. Kathy S. Jeanette M. All right, Holly, please go ahead. Followed by Anne Marie. Thank you. Um, thank you so much for your service. And um, uh, I'm returning back to program. Um, I think this is day four for me. And I really um, have found this meeting, just the things that people have shared to just um, really hits home in a lot of ways. And um, just want to claim my seat. And I appreciate being here. Thank you all so much. Have a good day. Thank you, Holly. Okay, Anne-Marie M., please go ahead, followed by Kathy S. Good morning, Amy. This is Anne-Marie M., recovered through God's grace um, and uh, in South Carolina, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. So grateful um, for this meeting. This paragraph for me talks about just getting my getting what I want and not caring about who I hurt. I never did have an extramarital affair. Uh, well, I, maybe I shouldn't say that. Um, the food was my um, was my extramarital affair. That's that's the point I was going to make. Was that um, I remember working three to eleven, getting out about eleven thirty, and hitting 
every convenience store I could on the way home, knowing which ones closed at midnight, which ones closed at, you know, and I had to get there and driving around until like two in the morning, stuffing my face with um, bags and uh, of stuff and um, and not going home to my husband. You know, I was I was going after something that I thought was going to fill me up, not um, not my stomach, but fill me up spiritually, fill me up with um, what I needed. And I I spent so much time away from my husband in the food, and for me that was my extramarital affair. And it just this paragraph just um, is for me is is all about getting what I want and um, not caring who I hurt um, and lying. And I felt like it was cheating, you know. I was, I was cheating. I was cheating him out of my time and my intimacy. You know, I didn't want to have intimacy when I was feeling like I was uh, overweight and fat and stuffed and burping and farting and feeling sick. And um, that's the last thing I wanted was to give my husband any intimacy. So I really cheated him out of companionship, out of love, out of intimacy, um, because I put the food in front of it, and um, because that's what I thought, you know, I needed to help me feel better. And you know, I kept on going after the food, you know, for a little while it worked, you know, but um, I guess I kept thinking that someday it's going to work again, but you know, it never did. It was, it, you know, it. it the, the the food lied and cheated to me cheated me, um, so that's what this paragraph uh, is reminding me of um, what what a cheat I was uh, to my husband and not so much with another person but with the food you know um, and um, so that's about it I've I've made my amends to my husband uh, through. Um, through my change in my behavior, my amends, changing myself, being available, making sure that I'm available. Um, and even now with all the phone calls I make and all the work that I do in this program, um, I, I make, oh, oh that's it. I, will, I will pass. Thank you, Amy. Thank you so much. All right, Kathy S., followed by Jeanette M. Kathy, please go ahead. And we're Good morning. just about five minutes. So if you guys could go two and a half each, that would be great. Sure. Go ahead, Amy, Thank you. Uh, okay, here we go. <laughs> this is Kathy S., compulsive overeater in Georgia. And, um, yeah, I was very fortunate and married a very loyal man of integrity, but I never saw that in my disease. Um, I did have an extramarital affair um, before coming into program. And um, I, um, but I was still very much a disease because I was just seeking, I, I wanted attention. It came at a time when I had three, three kids under the age of five. And my husband was working long hours because his, his motivation was to move our family somewhere else. And, um, and I was just in so much self-pity, and I blamed him for everything. The truth was, as I have learned uh, through program and even, um, yeah, through this whole process, is that I was so overly dependent upon my husband for my instincts, for my needs. And um, 
so, you know, before, like I said, I had the affair before program. I, uh, it was, I don't know, I was stirred by God to give an all, all out confession. And I did that. And uh, it was really the story of our faith for both my husband and I is when we really came into um, trusting God with everything. And we surrendered our marriage to over to God and God really turned it around. Um, and, but that's when my eating started, uh, which just proves this is a spiritual sickness to me um, that because, so I was no longer seeking the attention of a man and because that was incredibly painful, but I went to food to try to fill me, to try to feel this sense of ease and comfort, to try to find happiness. I turned to dieting and exercise, thinking that my body was going to bring me what I needed and, and help stir me, um, you know, a real passion from my husband. And, and I just, it backfired. I even used, you know, I even caused my husband pain in program, spending so much time uh, with their at certain times with the rigidity and with my schedule and what I did and how I acted and, and he, he couldn't take it anymore, you know, but God has, uh, again, through this program, through this fellowship, I have learned to incorporate balance in life and I've learned to rely upon God for my sense of value and security and, and try to take it off of my husband because that's a lot of pressure on him. And, um, and, and just learning to, um, okay, there it is. So there's nothing else to say, but it it works. And today we're 26 years married and very happily so. So thank you. And I'll pass. Great, Kathy. Thank you. Uh, Jeanette M., you have two minutes. Please go ahead. This is Jeanette M. from Virginia, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, I think the thing that stands out at me uh, from this is what are my motives? How am I acting today? Um, And what is it that I need to pay attention to, even if it is not specifically what this uh, you know, story is or this paragraph is talking about? Um, it was not my experience has not been my experience. Um, however, I have had the uh, similar, as similarly described, um, other things have taken me away as the affair. So food, work, um, they have definitely been uh, distractors. And the motives behind that were fear and wanting, uh, and my ego getting in the way and wanting what it wants when it wants it. And um completely edging God out of the relationship and the situation in my life, much less our life together. And um, it's been real clear to me in recovery that, uh, you know, I don't get to play God. I don't get to, uh, um, I don't get to play God anymore. And that my motives have to be checked for me on a very regular basis that I am living the principles uh, of the program in all areas of my life. And it has not been easy. Um, it has not been, for me, it has, I, have, I have a pretty strong ego and will, and that has to be smashed, as the big book says. Um, but uh, the good thing is I've made a lot of progress, and I have huh, a lot to go with God's help. So with that, I'll pass. 
perfect timing. Thank you so much, Jeanette. Okay, we are going to wrap things up. I'd like to thank everyone who shared. Thank you to Team Wednesday for all your service. Please join us for a second awesome unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. The share ID for today, 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting for Wednesday, August 25th, 2021. The share ID is 17,625. That's 17625. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Crystal P. please read a vision for you? Good morning, Crystal P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Toronto, Canada. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.